Dundalk have gone where no Irish club has ever been before. You're very welcome to LOI Weekly. We've made it to week two on this podcast, uh, which Daniel McDonald and I, Johnny Ward, are absolutely delighted about. You can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud as ever. Uh, we encourage lots of interaction. Uh, we got loads last week. We had a great time, and we're hoping for more of the same this week. You're very welcome, Daniel McDonald. Yes. Hi, Johnny. How are things? You can tweet us at LOI Weekly, of course, at LOI Weekly. You can at LOI Weekly. We would like to encourage a few more followers and uh, get the interaction going because it's going to be a fun season, isn't it? Yeah, like a lot of irate Pats fans last week. You uh, slaughtered them. We had a poll. We even had a poll, yeah. We even mm. had a poll. Are St. Pats a small club? Um, I think that was the question. Or do you agree with Johnny's assertion that St. Pats are a small club? And I believe it was 56% yes, 44% no. I used to work with a guy uh, in air sports called Billy Leahy, and he once put up a poll on our website. He goes, what's your favourite pole? This pole, Graham pole, the North pole, Pol Pot. And I thought <laughs> it was one of the funniest things I'd ever heard. Uh, but what, anyway, what you, di- you didn't find it that funny, no? No. 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 Uh, you you got to meet Billy. He was an amazing guy. Um, at the time, I think, yeah. And in the Irish Independent on Monday, you actually had a photo of a sort of a makeshift toilet. Yeah, it was actually your fault, with Johnny. It was. Yeah, it was something you posted on your Twitter. One of the highlights of week one, we can discuss the football, but you seem particularly energised by the bar in Galway United. The bar in Eamon DC Park is hashtag greatest bar in the world, and it was put together by Frank. Frank is actually a wedding planner, and uh, he sort of was the interior designer. Dermot Bannon would have been amazed by the ingenuity, and the Galway hooker was available. For six euro. But just to explain, they've taken the old clubhouse, is it? At the old dressing rooms. The old dressing rooms and turned it into a bar. Mm. So like, it feels like you're sitting down for a team talk, but you're actually sitting down for a few points. It's a bit, it's a bit sort of hipstery though, is it? It's so very hipster. But once you get there, you know, the game is an inconvenience. <laughs> it really is. There's a very small window that out of, you know, you can look out the window. And a lot of people were kind of crammed around the window to see the start of the second half, wary of It's going to happen. Bar. I see. I think sometimes like bars and League of Ireland grounds can you know pose potential problems because i know like in oriel park right they have a bar there and towards the end of the first half like half an hour into the game you see people starting to vacate like the shed side and the far side going round for the <laughs> half time point so actually dan I'm, is doing all this I, hand I, movement i'm convinced kind of, i'm con- this is like the action of people moving slowly <laughs> towards the bar so you have this like dreadful situation where uh you know people who go to the game probably only see maybe the minutes like 15 to 30 and mm. then maybe you know 60 to 75 by the time they come out sometimes in daily mount as well which actually is one of my favorite grounds to go to because Fantastic if, you are, if you are going socially to a game and you have that option uh, but i remember there was one game i went there not working and uh, i think it was a bows and sligo match i think it was i went with a couple of english lads who were over for an ireland international and uh, I think there was more people in the bar for the second half than there was outside because the first half had gone particularly badly. There, there is a real challenge as a League of Ireland fan, if, especially if you drink Guinness, right? To get the Guinness, the two poor system in at half time and down it and get out for the second half. And I was at the Oval for a Glentoran game last season and they have closed circuit TV in the bar with live games. So you don't have to, you know, a lot of fans just do not leave the bar. Yeah. Um, but we better leave the bar and talk about week one. Air Sport were in Oriel, you were in Oriel. Um, I thought this was a fascinating, fascinating game of football between Rovers and Dundalk. Still with Duffy, drops the shoulder, looks to get his shot away, scrambled by the boy, but in! It's the breakthrough goal, and it's Robbie Benson! McElhenney, pulled off at the back post, killed off! 2 0. Burke with the layoff. Boyd, and Burke goes again. And there's one back, debut goal for Graham Burke. Burke, high, oh, and then oh, he's gone straight he's in. Gone. That's a he's gone. He's gone. He looks dumbfounded. How can he? He went in and threw the boot. Last chance saloon for Rovers. He's not cut it clean, but turn go was off the crossbar. And almost a remarkable equaliser. Well, drama from first whistle to last. It was just great to be back in, in terms of, uh, I mean, I was at the President's Cup the week before. It was, it was decent occasion down in Cork um, but there was just that real sort of big night intensity around this game and it's it's not something that we get every week 
um, unfortunately. But really, um, I think the first week of the season, there's always that great buzz of an anticipation about what's coming down the tracks. So I think this game had the plot lines that we touched on last week. We don't need to go over them all again. You know, Ronan Finn going back and so on. Um, and Michael O'Connor and Darren Meenan. Um, but, but what we had um, was a, a game that I think still showed us that there's just that bit of distance between the two sides. There's I think no, I think about it. No, no, it's, I, I, it's, it's, it was so clear. I think, I think the fact that Dundalk, they just have this habit of winning games, and they also did it last week. I mean, without um, and, and Rovers did have only Ronan Finn for half, you know, half an hour of the game. But Dundalk were without Shields and McMillan, Gary Rogers. I mean, O'Donnell and McElhenney hobbled off in the second half, both of which were excellent. But they just got the job done, even though they, they, I think both sides could take positives from it. But both managers also said afterwards they could play a lot better. But I just felt um, after the long break, there was just this real competitive edge and spark to the game. Big style. Which I think the last Rovers and Dock game up in Tala uh, in October of last year was, was for, from the Rovers' perspective, was a complete humiliation. I, I came back from Terrylands and the following day I put on the highlights because um, I really did want to see the footage. I wanted to see what the game was like. And Rovers were like horny hippos the way they approached the game they were full of testosterone but not a lot to go with it you had Dane Massey being thrown into the camera you had McAllister doing what I thought was a despicable stamp on Stephen O'Donnell um, you obviously had the outrageous sending off of Burke and you had two Dundalk two Rovers midfielders being taken off two of their central midfielders were benched um, their heads hanging low because the boss Stephen O'Donnell ran the game without even being all that impressive and you were just left wondering you know it may be a new season, but to me, it's the same old story. Rovers are not good enough to win the league. Well, I mean, I don't think I don't think they're going to win the league this year. I never, never did really think that. Would Damien be the Lynch case. has written them off completely. Yeah, I never, I never did think that would be the case. I, I think their their plan at the start last week was about trying to match the energy of Dundalk. And I think speaking to Stephen Bradley at a sort of Rovers Bows event, it was all about having a lot of energy, uh, closing them down making life difficult for them, which is what you have to do against Dundalk because generally um, they just seem to be that bit stronger in every department than other teams. And I think that's what the Rovers' plan was about. And I think it succeeded to a degree. It was just that when it came down to it, uh, they they made life difficult for Dundalk, but when they were on the ball themselves, they weren't good enough to do anything with it. And was I that think that was the disappointing? You know? I think, I think certainly it'll be interesting to see what they do on Friday um, in terms of the Bowes game, which we'll discuss later. But just from the point of view you mentioned, that Roberto Lopez was taken off. Um, Ryan, Ryan Connolly. Connolly. Ryan Connolly is a, is a good footballer who on the night had lost. a, had a, had he a was nightmare. He Lopez, I think, and Damien has touched on, I think there's a question mark over whether, like Lopez is a player who was at Bowes and Bowes were a team that closed teams down and made life difficult for them. Um, I just wonder, Lopez, later in the season, is he going to be playing in that central midfield as position because I think in games when Rovers actually need to control the game and control the ball they might actually have other players who might be a bit better in that department you know you talk about Finn you talk about Paul Corey maybe if, if he can get fit I think they might have other ball players I think Lopez had a role there that he was going to try and make life difficult for McElhenney and for those which, dog which players certainly didn't work and, and didn't succeed and and McElhenney was, was excellent Ma Ma McElhenney you know you, you were texting me after the game you know about McElhenney and I was really looking forward to watching it and I was almost a bit disappointed because I thought he gave the ball away a bit at times but the magic that he produced and again we went back to this last season his time on the ball and the, f the flicks and the trickery that he has how long is McElhenney going to be playing in the League of Ireland uh, it might just be one more year I, I think uh, like he, he will give away the ball sometimes but it's a bit like you know Wes Hoolan gives the ball away for Ireland sometimes it's because they try things that, that, that it happens um, and once they give the ball away in the, the right areas it's not that much of a problem I mean Rovers gave the ball away in the wrong areas the other day and um, McElhenney I thought he was just full of confidence sort of breezing around the park trying this little cry flick here um, just leaving players for dead and and the end product was there. I mean, sometimes you could say, well, where's the end product with the flair? But the end product was there. You know, he, he stuck one perfectly onto the head of Kilduff, but also as well, I mean, that was from pressing and closing down as well, not just being a bit of a show pony. But I, I, I do think if he can get an injury-free run, and I think still the slight concern you would say is that he takes a bit of punishment, he still ends up hobbling off and he's, doesn't see out the game. Prone, isn't he, you know? And when games start to stack up, you would hope that he doesn't, 
get cut down because <clears throat> ultimately you want people who are good to watch you want you want to bring people into ground and say this is something that's worth watching he, and McElhenney is someone that when you watch him that player. It's, oh. it's, it's, uh, it's, it's value it's, for money it's value for money and just what I, I felt was quite telling in terms of the you know the mentality of these two teams, the petulance of Rovers versus Dundalk managing the game. And I was talking to Stephen O'Donnell after the game, and I said, you know, you were quite restrained after that stamp. And he said, what stamp? He couldn't even recall it. So you can imagine you're playing, and a guy stamps on your calf like Cantona-esque, and obviously not spotted by the referee McAllister, who almost snatched a, a, an equaliser at the end. And I just felt it was intriguing that Stevie didn't even remember this. It was like whatever, get on with it, win the game. Had a little bit of a spat with Finn as well. Yeah, well, the Finn came into the game, and there was always going to be an edge, and there was always going to be a, um, you know, a reaction from the crowd. And sometimes players just naturally feed off that. Um, and yeah, O'Donnell and Finn had some had some strong words. Um, obviously, you had the Graham Burke incident as well, which was a you know, which was a daft act, which there was a no complaints, I think, with that red card. And that led to a scrap. But I think that's what people like to see. I think sometimes um, in recent years, and it's been a, a sort of a criticism I've heard people, ex-players and so on, there's so much movement between players in the league that almost at the end of games, lads are like high-fiving and hugging and there's like a reunion. The really happy to see, almost just happy, happy to see fellas uh, rather than having a bit of a skirmish, you know? And I think that little spat between Finn and O'Donnell and, and other players, you're thinking, great, when when are they playing again? And I wouldn't mind seeing that. And that's 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 something Finn said at the at the at the end of the game. He's like, Yeah, we'll see you in Tella, you know. And uh, funnily enough, pitch talk, the new pitch at Oriel was upstaged by the pitch in Finn Park because it looks borderline unraceable, not to mind unplayable. Yeah, I mean definitely like one or two players were sort of a drowning risk, you would have felt at times. Um it's, it's not ideal for the first game of the season. I know they had really bad weather and it's not maybe a fantastic pitch at the best of times. Um, and I suppose, I don't know, like sometimes analysing the first week of a season in any context, you know, it can lead you to sort of knee-jerk reactions. But I think with Cork, it was a case of they got the job done last week. Uh, Sean Maguire scores that, that one moment of the game and really, I know that Gary Buckley sent off, but it was just about getting through it, I think. You know, I don't think there's much more that can be said of a game where I think players that were involved said it was the worst conditions they'd ever played. And I think Mark McNulty uh, might have said that. Uh, and he's been around the league a long time and has probably encountered some bad pitches along the way. So I'm guessing that was pretty rough. Did Cork do enough to suggest that they, you know, obviously you're only going on highlights, but Dundalk... I don't think you can analyse Cork mm. really on the, on the strength so of last week. I don't, I think... The, the, they got the job they done. They got it done. And I think they, you know, we'll, you know, we're talking a bit about week two and, and maybe broaden out the, the Cork discussion maybe a small bit there, but I, I don't know, with a game like that, it's about knuckling down and showing the fighting qualities to get through. I think having Johnny Dunleavy back, would it be a positive I would mention because it just feels like he's perpetually on an injury list. So I think having him involved would have been a bonus for them. Later on the show, we'll be talking to former Bo's boss, Owen Heary. If you're talking about two clubs that, you know, are going to have worried fans. Uh, it's Bows and Pats, and Bows were absolutely hockeyed uh, by Derry. And not only that, you have the Akinade news as well. He's going to be out for quite some time. They've lost Owen Weirin. Where where are Bows going to? You know, it, despite the fact that uh, Shield said that Derry were actually <laughs> the worst uh, of the two teams, and they were three nil up. That's Kenny talk. Yeah, I mean, he's also, I think he's described Limerick as the best team in the country. We'll get to that nonsense well. later. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, again, it's like you know. You, Analyzing the Finn Harps pitch is a bit like analyzing the sort of a Kenny Shields post match, really. Um, I'm not sure if, if you want to get bogged down to them, either of them too much. Uh, I think the Bose thing, I spoke to people at the game who actually felt the Bose didn't actually play that badly. Um, but they lost 4 1. But I have to say, I mean, some of the goals that were conceded, I think actually across the league, I think it was a feature of. Of, of the first day because I mean I think there was good crowds around the country and uh, there's a sort of a certain amount to be encouraged by there I just felt like some of the, the goals that sort of were conceded I mean Pat's even experienced players Ian Birmingham knocked one across his own goal mount and was punished um, sort of a comical back pass by Derek Pender for a Bose goal and I mean again it's, it's week one you can't lose the run of yourselves completely I mean I was looking back at last week's first round I mean, Derry lost the first round last season at Harps and don't have one of their best seasons in, in years um, but I think I think for maybe for two teams like Bowes and Pat starting off at home trying to build some momentum trying to get some of those people who people come to the first week to see what things are like and 
depending on what happens, they'll it's decide a, better to come back. It's a fair point. A home, a home defeat to start off the season can be a bit of a buzzkill. On a side. scale of naught to Derry winning the league, how worried are you about that 33-1 to bet you laid me? Uh, I'm, still, I'm still not worried. Not I'm worried. still not worried. I, I, I think we've established... We'll return to that in week three, I think we've week four, week five. I think week we've established that... Uh, I think Barry Landy tweeted in. I know Barry does some stuff with air. Uh, he has he also now claimed that he... Had, well, he, Easiest 20 euro I ever accepted, he tweeted. So, like, how many he people... reminded me of the uh, how seven. Many pe- how many people did you, did you actually take this... The, the, the Dutch woman at the bar didn't know what I was on about. Yeah. Know, <laughs> g- so give me 40s, I was like... You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's just, I, I sort of feel of like sending out an appeal that if Johnny has backed Derry at 33 to 1 with you, just let us know. Because yeah. we want to know how many other people out there could are put it sort on of crime call or one of those. I haven't, I haven't quite multiplied fifty by thirty-three yeah. to see what the actual payout would be. I think I'm going to get a bit closer to the end of the season. I might actually have to really think about this. Very close to our studios here is Inchicore, where the drama of Pats and Bray, a lot of crazy late drama, some kamikaze tackles, and a worryingly bad performance by Pats, who by all accounts were really second best. Sound like they were bad. Yeah, I mean. Got quite a few red cards generally, but I think the uh, the Aiden Keena one was particularly uh, violent, and I think uh, well violent, but it was just a really bad challenge for you know, for for a card. And the Darren Dennehy incident, it wasn't really clear from the highlights. Again, an old fashioned sort of schmozzle with all sorts of bodies and in, involved. Uh, I yeah, again, it's the same point really. I think with Pats, uh, they lost. Uh, look again, looking back to last season, they lost first game season to Galway, and you just you, you just want to see some signs from Pats that they're ready to turn some kind of corner and I know there's some I saw some comments last week even after we were speaking about Pats and you were sort of uh, sort of denigrating their entire existence and voted a small club and voted a small club and that they might surprise people that they've got these younger players and you know just be careful here be, be careful about underestimating this group uh, You're telling me to be careful on a podcast. Uh, well, no, I think th- I think that was more so the tone of their message rather than my actual instruction. I'm going to I'm going to do a good cop bad cop flip here. You can interview me about Galway and Isaac's game. Well, I, I'm not sure if I want to because it sounds like you spent most of it in the bar. I but did not but spend but most of it in the bar. But if you, uh, well, I, I got the hooker in at half time <laughs> and I was basically I was out for the second half that's, in good time. Uh, that sounds they ran out of hooker. It's they ran out of Galway hooker in the bar. Yeah, it's a Galway weekend for you. Um, mm. Were they were they good? Were, were they good? Were they unfortunate? Because I mean, I think Shane they, Keegan. They played a bit like they'd had a bit of hooker at half time because they were much better in the first half. Uh, should have been two or three nil up. It was an absolute sickener of a goal to give away. I was impressed by a lot of it, um, but unfortunately, with two thousand three hundred thereabouts at the game, we lost one 0 home to draw, and it was a bit of a bit of a bu- buzzkill. It's a bit disappointing. Like three and a half thousand people came out to watch Dundalk in the middle of last season. I remember it was sort of a slight. Anomaly, it was out, out of sync with your other crowds. I think the no, no, there was two and a half thousand of that. Oh, it was a two yeah. and a half? No, no, it's, it was a decent crowd for us. Drawhada, not a big draw. I was just a bit worried uh, because we're losing at home to Drawhada, basically. And that's not good. Yeah. You know, how many teams are going to go down? Three. We're in trouble. Uh, a team that also looked to be in trouble are Sligo based on week one. And an amazing performance by Rodrigo Tosi, uh, who obviously got a hat-trick. Uh, Having only been registered ahead of the game. Yeah, and... Uh, we spoke to him about what was possibly the most remarkable uh, first game of the season ever, ever, ever since Eric Levine got four goals for Go United on the first uh, week of the season so against Finn It's not Finn ever, Harris. ever then. It's, it's actually since, the previous one. Yeah. Here's Rodrigo. Such a pleasure to have you on the show and I think you really lit up the League of Ireland last Friday. Uh, you've been slashed in the betting to be the top scorer this season. Can you actually believe the impact you've made already? Hello guys, good evening. <laughs> 5-1 was a little bit uh, too much, I think, that we didn't expect that. But uh, yes, uh, I, I hope everything will run okay, you know. And uh, I hope that the, the, the whole season will be like this, you know, hard uh, for us. So, Rodrigo, can I just ask you how the move to, to Ireland came about? I, I know you'd worked with Joe Gamble before and like what your thoughts were when the idea of, of coming to Ireland was, was raised. Yeah, I man, as I told you, you know, Two years ago, I played with Gamble, uh, two years in Asia, so he always told me about Ireland and, and uh, you know, how lovely country is here and uh, how the people are lovely here in the football, which is strong, so I was always interested to, to come here, so, and uh, once he got here now as a fitness coach, he had the opportunity to, to call me to come here, you know, and I was really interested to come and, you know, search for new experience. So that's why I'm coming here, you know, because of him and to search a new really experience. It's obviously uh, traveling and new experiences must be something you enjoy because you've 
you've played all over the world. I mean, ha- was that a sort of a conscious decision when you were younger that you wanted to travel with football or did it, did it just happen? Did it just happen? Yeah, man, you know, since, since I was young, I know that I have to go out, you know, because in Brazil, the competition is really insane, you know, I have millions player, of players. So I knew that if I want to, to have a, a good career and uh, being successful, I had to go out from the country. So uh, I put my mind on it. And since I'm 23 years old, I got away from home. And uh, yeah, as you know, I always try in different countries. And as they told, you know, different experiences. And uh, it was so all great. I'm really grateful you know, for the football for that, you know, to know a lot of people, new culture, cultures and uh, new language, and that's amazing. You know, that's, I'm really thankful for football. Yeah, because, I mean, I see you, I mean, you've played in Switzerland, in Iran, in Malaysia. Yeah. I mean, is there a time in your life that you, you, you reflect now the, the most enjoyable period, or wh- which club did you, I suppose, enjoy the most so far, until Limerick, of course? Yeah, man, I, I think uh, when I was in Switzerland, because it's really a lovely country, and I had a really good time there when I played uh, European League, uh, and even final Swiss Cup, and I had a really good three years there. Okay, the the, the last two years was really good there, and uh, even in Singapore, you know, I, it was really lovely there. Uh, uh, Rodrigo, I've actually been to Iran. What was your experience of uh, Persia? Football, I must tell you, that's really good. You now you always play the Asian Champions League and all, but it's a little bit difficult to live there, you know. And uh, I'm why is that? My, uh, why was that so? Because, you know, the culture, culture is it's really close, you know, and even though I was with my wife, it's a little bit close for women there. It, it's not like here, you know, it's really close, the people are close, and uh, that makes make it really difficult to be there, you know. But the football was, was quite nice. And what do you prefer, Iran or Limerick? Oh, Limerick, 10,000 yeah. times. Limerick, are gonna, Limerick people are going to be delighted with that. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Limerick so far? Oh, Limerick is nice, you know, it's a little bit quiet city, you know, it's not so big, but uh, as I could see this month that I'm living here, that's quite nice, lovely people, uh, good place to go, it's it's really nice so far. Last question, who's impressed you at Limerick? Who impressed me in Limerick? Yeah, what what, what players so far have, have really impressed you in the Limerick team? Uh... Oh man, I, I I don't know. I, I think this squad is really strong, you know, man. I can't tell you just one guy, you know, because as you could see the last game, we play really as a team, you know. You have Lee J, we have uh, uh, Chidos, you have Dogan, you have, you know, a lot of people, you know, from back to to to, to, to offense side. All the, the the guys have something to to give. So uh, I don't know. Uh, what to tell you know about one only guy it's really difficult what you should have answered there was Rodrigo Tosi because you've been amazing and it was great to have you on the show and I can't wait to see you in action in the flesh uh, later on in the season oh man thank you very much you know I'm really glad to be here really happy to talk to you guys thanks Thanks, Rodrigo okay thanks very much guys Anyone who talks like that, Dan, yeah, man, I love it. He, this guy could be a cult hero, already is. I think he probably is already a yeah. cult hero. I'd say, I, I mean, he, he did mention he's, he's living in Limerick. Uh, I'm not sure if he's like slap bang in the middle of the city, but uh, yeah, I think his, his, I don't know, he's been in Iran, as you mentioned, he's been all around the world, I think Indonesia. Uh, yeah, Limerick, he'll be able to do, he could do a good book on his, on his journey, I would have thought. Are you in the market? Um, I don't know. I have to see. I have to see how he adjusts to. Uh, I, I have to say, like, I just like from the uh, the perspective of you know, it's sometimes it's the merry-go-round of, of the league, and it's the same characters here and there. I think like League of Ireland fans always love the sort of novelty of some guy they've never heard of before just getting dropped into their world. You know, it's always like this real interest and transfer story. It's not like oh, we signed four lads from Cork again or whatever it might be. He just got dropped into the league, only registered at the last minute. And his name is Rodrigo. And his name is Rodrigo, yeah. What is his nickname, would you say? Rod, Hot Rod, Roddy? Rod, I'd say. Tosi? I'd say Rod. I think, Anthony, I think like the, the, the footballer's nickname is generally just a shortened version. I don't know. Would yeah, it be that w- wouldn't be a great deal of thought put into it. Um, Sligo's defending was an abomination here. Yeah, and it is maybe a bit early to talk about managers being under pressure, but I think if you have an entire pre-season and uh, I think we heard Sligo are into pre-season early enough and they finished the season very well last year 
and then you kick off the campaign and concede five on the opening night um, it's just not really a, an encouraging sign from their perspective are they going to be in relegation well opening? again it's it's the old classic you know that's just completely overreact to one game but I think just the season that's in it we mentioned this a bit last week the clubs are going to get jumpier than they would in another year yeah. I mean Sligo had a disastrous start last year I don't think they had a win until seven or eight games into the season um, and that was fine because they always felt he had time to recover if, if a team's in that position this year the reaction to it is probably going to be totally different so they can't afford to go on that losing run again or else the manager will be under serious pressure. And one Maverick says Limerick are favourites to win the league or the best team in the league, Shields. whatever they are. Shields, yeah. Is another Maverick going to say that tonight? No. Oh, I'm not going to. No. no, I'm not going to say that. How good team. could Limerick be? How good could they be? I don't know. I think the Marketsfield thing. Have you been down to the Marketsfield? I love it. I think yeah. it's a great location. Uh, it's exactly what League of Ireland going to be. Although the walls at the far side on the highlights looked a bit like um, styrofoam put together uh, at the last minute. Well, I think everything on the highlights looked very, very far away. You know, they did. It, was, it was like somewhere over the distance. It was like, here's Rodrigo Tossi's hat trick, and here's how it looked from Brazil. You know, they're actually like that far away. I still actually can't describe the hat trick. I'm not sure what really happened. Uh, there was a sort of a speck in the distance, but uh, I, I, I got to, uh, it'll be sorted out in future. It won't happen again. I had again. to revise my contact lens strength after watching it. It was tough going on. I think like, you know, people are so used to like, uh, I was going to go up and start touching the TV and like trying to scroll it out like I a picture on an iPhone. I could show you, you know? Dan's hand movements here tonight. It's been amazing. <laughs> it's not really effective, but it's a great ground, I think, and it's one of these classic thing in Irish. It's a great ground and it'll be even better when they finish it, you know, because it has that sort of unfinished side to it. There's a whole side there they can develop. Uh, but they're getting pretty good crowds. And I think there's a real untapped potential there. You say it everywhere. Everywhere is a sleeping giant. It's every club. It's just a, it's such a thing that you say. But there is a real appetite there. And they had like four or 5,000 for the playoff game a couple of years ago and then went down. And it was just such a horrible thing that they went down at that point. But if they, I, I'll be very interested to see their next home game, what sort of crowd they get in there, because there is a lot of interest, I think, around that area. And it's something that could really take off. Okay, from the exotic to Owen Heary, who joins us in the studio. Owen, I have two bones to pick with you. Go ahead. First of all, we've already met. Um, when Going United played Shells in the playoff uh, two, three seasons ago, in a bizarre twist, I went from the bar in Tolka to the bar in Dalymount. You just joined Sligo Rovers, and I had a great chat with you for, well, it felt like a great chat to me anyway, for about an hour and a half, and your mother was there, really nice people, um, but you've obviously forgotten all about that, <laughs> and uh, maybe the two of us were drunk. And the second thing, Dan, we asked him before he came on, did he listen to the first week, and he said, a bit. A bit, he yeah. Co he, uh, he couldn't even get to 10 minutes in, I think. Well, then it was, it was mentioned, had he heard a bit with Damien Lynch, and he said that he hadn't heard that, which yeah. is probably just as well, given yeah. that he's about to be interrogated by you now. Genuinely, it is great to have you on the show, Owen. How are you? After that introduction, yeah. Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. And Shells are already a point ahead of Waterford, so what a great start of the season. <laughs> Absolute brilliant start, yeah. yeah. Now, it's, as I said, it's, it's a clean sheet against Longford, one of the, the favourites in the league, so we're quite pleased with that. Just, Dan will bring this up with you. about We've had our debate about the 10-team league, but um, what's the feeling in the first division at the moment? Is there a lot of anxiety there? Yeah, well, I mean, you, you look at Waterford, the favourites, obviously, with the money they're putting in, and Longford wouldn't be far behind them. Um, for ourselves, we don't have the biggest budget, so it's it's a difficult with one team going up. Um, my fear is that uh, you know during the season, if they do a Limerick like last year and run away with the league, that the rest of us will end up playing kids, putting out 19s and not playing uh, our first team players because they'll want to save money on it. That's basically then stopping paying players. That's releasing players during the season. Is that yeah, potentially what you see Realistically, that could, that could happen. You know, as I said, if, if one team does run away with it, hopefully they don't, then you can see clubs saying, well, you know, there's no interest from fans coming to games because there's nothing to play for. If you're out of cups, then you've definitely nothing to play for in the league. So why not breed, or breed the younger players in for the rest of the season? I'm sure the boards will be thinking like that and say, let's get these players in, which will save money for them. And then hopefully they'll have more money next year to invest. Well, what do you think of the concept of a 10-team Premier Division? The ten, in terms of the idea, seems to be the, the pro camp would say it's going to be more competitive. You'll have a, sort of a higher quality at the top end of the Premier Division. What's your sort of view on that? My view, idea? I mean, the 10-team league has been tried a couple of times before. Um, you're saying more quality and you know better games. I disagree with that. I don't think there's going to be a lot of better games. I think more teams are going to cancel each other out because they'll play against each other could be four or five times within a couple of weeks. Like, you know, the you know, the cup games, they could play a league game, there could be a Leinster Senior Cup or a, you know, even the, the League Cup, FEI Cup. They'll play to they'll play each other so many times 
that they'll cancel each other out and there won't be that the games I don't think will be that exciting just on like obviously you spent pretty much all of your career in, in Dublin and something we spoke about I think with Damien last week uh, maybe predicting a grim year for some of the Dublin clubs in the top flight I was actually looking back to the 10 team league I was looking at 2010 10 teams in the Premier Division Shamrock Rovers first Bowes second Sporting Fingal Pats were also in the top 5 for the top 5 Dublin clubs um, this year it's possible you could have won Dublin club in the top half of the end of the I don't know what your opinion is though on the general state of play in Dublin at the moment because it does seem like the regional clubs might be in a stronger position right now yeah I think you know you look at Dundalk and they invested well over the last couple of years and dominated the league Cork the same you know but they're getting the crowds to, to match what they're putting in um, Rovers be expected big things to be expected of them this year because you know Bradley's brought in a lot of younger players and signed some good quality players from opposition teams as he put it the captains of, of other teams um, you look at Pats have lost a few players you know two years ago which they haven't really recovered from it so yeah they, I suppose the country teams have a lot more invested in it and a lot more going forward What's it like playing in Tolka Park with the future obviously you know in very much coming to an end I haven't played in Tolka Park since two thousand. managing Tolka Park All oh, right, so yeah. uh, um, I suppose being back there is great for me but I suppose you're looking forward for four, three, four years down the line they're talking about moving the Daily Mount Um it's it's disappointing that they have to move out of Tolga, but I think it's it's a no-brainer on that side of it because the, the stand is falling down and there's going to be a stadium built. But you never know, three, four years down the line, things could change and you know, Tolga, someone could come in and invest and keep Tolga there. Do you remember playing against one Tony Grant? I do, I remember it very well. I've the Bruce's the, the show for it. Tony Grant, uh, who spent roughly the same time at Shamrock Rovers and Bohemians, if that were possible, joins us on the line ahead of uh, another monstrous Dublin derby at the weekend. Tony, great to have you on the show. How are you doing? How's things? Very well. You ended up in Glenavon, uh, but the reason, of course, we have you on the show is just to talk about the derby game. Um, it featured on a, a big YouTube documentary last year, Bowes v Rovers, and it does have a special edge to it, doesn't it, even by derby standards? Uh, it definitely does, yeah. Um, when I was introduced to the league many moons ago, <laughs> back in 2000, I, I signed for Shamrock Rovers, obviously. And um, I, I didn't really know the significance of the game. But uh, I have to say, just by talking to fellas like Derek Tracy, going to train and all that, they always had it, you know, they always mentioned it, the game and how, how massive it was. Um, and... Definitely, yeah. I, I, you know, the games were huge back then, absolutely huge, and I loved being involved in, in, in the games. You know, there was just a huge rivalry there. The both sets of supporters are passionate, um, and and a great games to play in. You know, and thankfully, I've you know I've had a I've had a few memories, some good, some bad, but uh, you know, fantastic, and I wouldn't change it. You know. Yeah, I mean, Tony, speaking of those memories, and and there's plenty we can pick from. But I'm looking at 16th April 2004. Um, I sort of Googled it last night and a very attractive picture of a pig's head on the pitch at, at Daily Mount Park. And I'm sort of wondering what was your, well, what sort of feelings were going through your head that night? Because it does seem like the, the reference point for your derby history is that night in yeah. Daily Mount. Yeah, it's, it's, I suppose, um, you know, the whole build-up, you know, sort of, you know, we kicked off and there was a sort of a long saga. I was at Rovers at the time and, you know, I was looking to live and obviously I ended up signing for Bohemians eventually, you know, um, and that was the first game you, you look at then, you know, you, you know, down the road, Jesus, you know, I'm going to get a lot of stick. But, um, look, like I don't really, <laughs> to be honest with you, the game, you know, you, you, you just get on with games and, and you know, but, that game in particular, you know, there was a lot of, you know, I, I would have a lot of relatives and, and close friends that would be huge Shamrock Rovers fans and the stick I, I got was, you know, it's just banter really, you know what I mean? But come the game itself, like, and coming closer to the game, it was just, you know, stuff that was being said, you know, and I've seen a lot of stuff, you know, the media had it built up and obviously, you know, stuff online as well. You, 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 the, the 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 slagging and a bit of banter, like you know, some of it was nasty, you, you know. But you, look, that expect it, you know. Shamrock Rovers are a huge club. I spent for decent years there, you know. Probably played the best football in my career at, at, at Shamrock Rovers, you know, and really enjoyed the time there. But um, 
I knew I was going to be in for a bit of stick, but I didn't realise that there'd be a, a big big pig's head put on the pitch, like, you know what I mean? Now, to be honest with you, during the game, I never seen it, you know, I never... That was probably a good thing. Would, would, would it was. throw you in a game if, you know, your your confidence was a little bit ropey and then you saw a pig's head? You'd probably ah. go over and tackle it. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be honest, no, you just get on with it, you know, it's... To be honest, that great games to play, and I want to tell you there himself, Damien as well. You know, Bowes and Rovers, the, it, it's the biggest game on the calendar. You know, yeah, they, they, they are um, big games, and I think he's right. A lot of uh, publicity does be gone around who's left and who's gone to Rovers, or who's left Rovers and gone to Bowes, and yeah, it really yeah. builds it up into it. And I think that makes the atmosphere as well, like you know, Absolutely. hostile atmosphere, but does be it does be great to play in. And to, and and Tony, what was the you know the general team talk for a game like that? Was the manager trying to actually suppress your emotion, or was he trying to let you kind of just go along for the ride and uh, embrace, I suppose, the whole madcap nature of the derby? Yeah, like, you know, Stephen Kenny at the time just approached the game as normal. You know what I mean? As any other game, okay, it's, there's a little bit more edge to it because it's you know they're playing Shamrock Rovers, your rivals, and um, you know. The lads will tell you there themselves that there is a little bit more of an edge to them games than any other. Um, and so you know what to expect before you go on the pitch. And look, you just get on with your own routine before the game um, uh, until you reach the tunnel there and you hear the noise and the support, you know, with those, it fires you up, you know. Yeah, and um, it's all about resulting that game. Yeah, it is. You know, no, no matter how bad Does the you game play. pass you by a bit? In, in terms of it's just a blur, like, because it's so... Sometimes, you know, like, with younger players, I think it tends to, to pass your boy a bit. I think with experienced players, they know what's expected of them in those games. And I say you can play as bad as you want, but if you win that game for fans, it's it's up there, like, you know, it's one of the best feelings ever. And Tony, your your memory of the games is quite impressive, actually. Uh, oh, yeah, well, I remember all, all the games that you play sort of well in, you know what I mean? You try to put the ones that you play poorly, which I'd have a lot, you know. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sure about that, win. no. But um, you know what I mean? Yeah, I've had some, you know, them Bowles Rovers games for me. I've just I've done really, I've done well in them and a few of them, you know. And I've, I was lucky enough to score a few goals in both for both teams, you know. Yeah. Um, and Tony, yeah, I was going to say, Tony, I was going to say, did, did those friends of yours who were Shamrock Rovers fans have they forgiven you with the passing of time now? When he used to say that, we actually walk at one, yeah, in Bobrigan Post Office. I'm a postman now and. Uh, the the Rovers fan he, he tells me all the time that it was him that brought the, the pig's head in <laughs> um, I'd like to know who, um, he's, who he'd be supporting this week will he go Rovers or Bowes I would have to sit in the fence no 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 Rovers or Bowes going to the house Fabric and Post Office for anyone I couldn't I couldn't you know I suppose you know I've said it already I've played you know Rovers was the first club I went to League of Ireland enjoyed my football there I'd always have a special place for Rovers in my head even though you know, I'd never be forgiven for what he'd done, like, you know. Um, but saying that, Bowes as well, you know, I, I enjoyed my time there as well. Look, I, I don't know, but if I was picking one now, I'd probably go with Rovers because, you know, I'd know, know the lads there, like, you know, Shane Robinson, Stephen Bradley, you know, Graham Gartner, they're all good lads I would have played with, you know, and, you know, a lot of time for them boys and I'd like to see them do well, you know. Are you still kicking ball? Uh, no, not at the minute, no. Uh, I'm waiting on a cartilage operation. So I was playing over 35 there for a bit. Um, I think Alan was involved now with the over 35 as well. I was, I was wondering uh, that, actually. Yeah. Yeah, don't look at yeah, yeah. <laughs> too young to play. But, but uh, no, I can't wait to get the job done and get back playing, though. You know, you do miss it and the, the bit of banter with the lads in the dressing room and that, you know. It's been lovely to have you on the show and, and some great memories there. Uh, I believe you won't be going to the game. You have a Glenavon-related function. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty years. Please don't tell them at Glenavon. They'll be no. Please don't get too I'm actually, excited. I'm Tony. actually, I'm actually traveling to the game with two former Bowes players, uh, or to the function with two former Bowes players, Damon O'Neill and Stephen Caffrey. Ah. So there you go. So we'll be tuning in and hoping, you know, looking at the the phone for the result anyway. Great to have you on the show, Tony, and. Uh, just wish you all the best with getting your um, little injury sorted out as well. And uh, you, and uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. No problem, lads. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Thanks. Cheers, cheers. See you on. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Your own memory of the Dublin Derby? Depends on which one. I mean, we played in the 4 0 one, which was one of the best memories, best feelings that you'll have because we had a young team against a fancied uh, Rovers team, you know, and we won the game. And then there's the one up in Tala, the, the first game where we're 1 0 up. 
cruise in the last couple of minutes and, and Twig pops Twig. up with two goals, two set pieces right at the end. You know, it's a killer blow. Who, who's the best player you've played against in that derby game? In the derby game? Yeah, particularly, I suppose, from a marketing perspective. Oh, God, you're going back years now. I mean, like, Twig would do nothing in the game and always score goals, you know, and it was sometimes you'd be baffled after the match saying, you know, you'd mark him and say he wouldn't be involved in the game. And all of a sudden he pop up, which is a good goal scorer, you know, often does. So he he could be up there with probably the best ones that, you know, Mark and I'm saying he always come up trumps. Um, in terms of, of wingers, there have been a few. I mean, Mark Rutherford was there a few times as well. Still playing. Still playing yeah. and still playing at a decent level yeah. as well. You know, and, you know, he's, I'll always say he's probably one of the best wingers around. Is, is this not a, put this to both of you, is this not a straightforward Rovers home win here? Bows are in, in Stuck, you know. Well, I was going to, I mean, because Owen has obviously been involved with Bowes in the last couple of seasons. You referenced the game in 2012, the 4-0. And it actually does seem in recent years that Bowes are the weaker club at the moment, there's no doubt. But they just seem to have an edge in some of those well, derby games for whatever reason. Over the years, we've played Rovers with better teams on paper and lost. You know, and then we've played with weaker teams on paper and we've won the game. So they're hard to call, you know. It depends on look at the two two teams to be under pressure to win. That's for sure because they both lost in well, the opening days. Yeah, I was going to say, how do you think Roberto Lopez is feeling this week? Is someone you've you've like, worked with who's gone now from Bowes to, to yeah. Rovers and has a certain amount of scrutiny on him this yeah, week? Yeah, he, look, he's he's going to get a lot of stick. He'd be well out for it. He's, he's a great young fella, you know. His head well screwed on. He's an athlete, so he'll feel the pressure building up towards the game. He'd be excited, but when he steps on the pitch, he knows he's going to get. A lot of abuse. It's probably better that it's a home, it's a yeah. home game, you know, that he he'd be able to cope with it more because there'd be more Rovers fans there, obviously. But um, now he's look, he's going to get stick, and it, it, like Granty said, once you move over that side, then he, he has to be expected. The Bohemians' predicament for the season to me is deeply worrying with with the players they've lost, and their budget is obviously nowhere near what Rovers have owned, and you know. If if they lose this game comprehensively, is there a lot of pressure then on them to say where are we going to pick up points here? Because this is actually a game we we have traditionally been getting points in. Yeah, I, I think there'll be more pressure. You know, Keith will put on himself. You know, over the over the game because they have a tough start. You know, the Rovers. I think they've the Bray coming up, Dundalk coming up. So, um, it, it's going to be difficult for them. You know, I'm sure he, he's lost players like Lopez and Keith Oakley. I don't think they've replaced them. Owen Whelan is, is gone now as well for for a while. Akinadi is out, so they're, they're big players, you know, that haven't sort of been replaced. Um, in terms of where he sees the the goals coming from, Dini is obviously the, the main I, man. I was delighted he scored last week because I saw him at Pats a few times last season, and he was like a man in the gallows. His confidence was shot. Yeah, he actually it admitted like it as that. much. Yeah, but he 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 had a lot of words for how much he enjoyed playing for Bowes, and he was delighted to be back. And he lacks pace, but he's actually a very good goal scorer, and he's a good earnest, honest player. Yeah, he is, and you know they need to they need to supply him though with, with the ball for him to get goals. And um, you're looking at Rovers. Rovers look very strong, and I, I think that. Could be they could be dominant for most of the game. Do they look very strong then? Last week, I, look, I think. This, I mean, we've, we've spoken about this a bit earlier. I think there was some encouraging signs last week. I, I'm interested how they're going to play in a game where I felt last week they were having a lot of energy, as we mentioned, trying to stop them. Look, look, look who they're playing last week. Well, this is it. You this know, is the highest part. They were playing a team that won the league three years and three years in a row, and then asking for Rovers to go out and play that game and. You know, you're always looking and saying, Dundalk, how do you stop Dundalk? It was amazing, on uh, watching it back, Dundalk just bossed the game from start to finish. Now, you can say Rovers could have nicked a draw, but Stephen O'Donnell and the midfield, without really doing anything obvious, like they got two of the, you know, the, the two of the new midfielders for Rovers ended up being benched, and they, they just looked downtrodden by the end of the game to some extent, and they, this is a phenomenal Dundalk side. Yeah, that, and that's the thing, that's what I'm saying about that, you know, you're always thinking, how do you stop Dundalk first? Um, and then you look when you say Rovers got back in at two one, then you get a player sent off, probably killed their, killed them all together. And Rona Finn coming on, you know, was a lot better when he when he came on and dictates the play. Is Tala a tough ground to go to for an opposing side? Because there's been times in recent years where I don't think it's been that difficult. No, for I don't. I don't think there. it's difficult to go there. I think because the the stance a little bit away from the pitch, you know, you, you can just forget about what's happening. You know, when you're playing, you do tend to forget what happens on the on the sidelines or up in the thing. It's look. It's Rovers' home game. You'd expect them to be the you know the pressure will be on Rovers to win the game. Not getting all you know emotional and all that, but Tolka was an amazing place when there was a bit of an atmosphere in it. Tolka was great because it's a bit like Inchi Car where the stands are on top, you know, and you can hear every word that's shouted at you or any any. Um, I suppose the, the fans abusing you or cheering you on, you hear everything. Had you split your favorite memory? Had you split uh, one of the favorite memories, especially over there. I think we we had a little fight at the end, which probably upset them more and when they come over here then they didn't fancy you. 
What is your prediction, guys? Dan, will you be at the game? I, I will be at the game. Um, I, I'm just... I, I probably fancy Rovers to win the game, but I'm just interested to see how are they, are they capable of really dominating this game. Because they, they were playing against a very good side last week. This time, the probably pressure might be on them to dictate, dictate the game a bit more. And we'll see if Ronan Finn, the suggestions today are he's in better shape, but we'll see how he's, how he's getting on. Um, I think if Finn is involved, then they can be a bit sort of better in possession in midfield. They should be capable of winning the game, but I don't think it's going to be a clear cut resounding Rovers home win. I don't think it's ever going to be like that. Owen? No, no, definitely Bowles. Definitely Bowles, I guess, something yeah, out of the game. I, I think a resounding home win here. Uh, I just see I see so many problems with Bowles. This game is live in RT2. Uh, it, again, I, I find it so compelling to see where these teams are going. I think Rovers probably learned a bit from last week. Um, do you know Kenny Shields at all, Owen? Dairy manager? Yes, that, that would answer that yeah. question. Yeah. <laughs> Vaguely. I know I'm just, uh, just talked to him once or twice. Do you know Kenny Shields? But I have to say, his, his Dairy team, we played them in pre-season and they were excellent. They were the best team we played in pre-season. Who else did you play? We played Bowes, we played Pats, played Derry, and we played obviously Wexford and the Lancer Senior Cup. That's, it's probably not a surprise with the teams you listed, but they are a damn good side, aren't they? They were very good. They're passing, moving. Even though we beat them 1-0 on the, on the day, um, you could see what they have. Like you know, They have a lot of quality, especially in midfield. Week two in hashtag greatest league in the world. Derry play Limerick, who absurdly have been called by Kenny Shields, the best team in the league. This man is becoming more of a maverick with every week done. I think that's like a very literal read of the league table. He's just saying, well, they are top of the table. With the While stroking his chin in that manner of his. Yeah, I think, I think Kenny's just deliberately elusive at times. You know, that's part of the mystique of what he's saying. I don't know, he's just trying to get that into people's heads. The first game in Bunkrana as well. Um, and we'll see what kind of crowd they get to go down Any there. temptation to go there for the Irish Independent uh, instead of going to Tala? Mm, no, I want to go to Bunkrana. Uh, maybe in time. I actually was up in Derry at the weekend, and I didn't realise from chatting to people there that Bunkrana is like where the Derry people go to like drink and holiday during the summer. And basically, in the, in the summer, they're moving their games from Friday evenings to Sunday afternoons. So basically, it's going to be a big day trip uh, everyone's carnival atmosphere down. carnival atmosphere and it could be a bit livelier than I thought um, they just feel actually it could work okay when they move to Sundays but I think Limerick were impressive last week but it's just hard to know where they flattered by Sligo's weaknesses rather than Limerick being fantastically good I guess Owen would have encountered Limerick last season in the first division and wondering how they're going to adapt to the top flight I mean it was a spectacular start last week but I guess this is I think Derry away is probably a pretty severe test for them. I yeah, it's, it's a big test for them. You know, we're speaking to their chairman last year. He was saying that they're going to invest in their team. And I think they've done that with Rodriguez coming in, scoring a hat-trick on his debut. But, you know, they brought in some quality players as well. They let a few go. But I think they've real ambition to be finishing top four this year. What did you call him? Rodriguez? Or whatever. Yeah, Rodriguez. <laughs> yeah, we, we go with that, all right. What Rod do you call him? Rodriguez. Um, Tosi. Rodrigo. We had him on earlier. Three cheers for Rodriguez. No? <laughs> Rodriguez. Um <laughs> <laughs> Patterson is a bit of a worry. Yeah, um, Patterson's out for for three weeks, it seems, yeah. or there thereabouts. I think the, the lad Nathan Boyle came in last he week. He looked really impressed in the highlights. He looked yeah. like a proper, fast, burly sort of guy who Bowes couldn't deal with at all. Yeah, no, he did very well. He was quite like I think now the this was it his second goal where he did was able to run pretty much unchallenged from the the halfway line. I think and Bowes defending wasn't the best, but yeah, no one here around. No, 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 not to take him out of it. But they've some, <laughs> they've, 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 they've some, they've some good young players. Sent off twice in his career. <laughs> twice in your career, probably in well, league. Yeah, well, but twice you're right, but unbelievable. Yeah, he, was was a first, he was on first name terms with all the refs, yeah. though. To be yeah. fair, so. <laughs> That's, I'm not sure that's a good thing or a bad thing, actually. Um, I, was a, I remember as a player, I went through the whole season without getting booked, and I was a right back. And in the last game, in, re, in a nothing game, I was given a yellow card for an innocuous challenge. I was really, really annoyed, but I, I wasn't sure it was a good thing or a bad thing. Was I not aggressive enough? Were you, you were, and you were aggressive. Oh, just stay on your feet, don't tackle. Yeah. Dan? Yeah, I, 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 listen, I, I'm actually shocked. I only, only sent off twice. Was twi one was a handball, and once was a pushover in, uh, in Chicago. Do you remember is the referees? Yeah. yeah, Alan Kelly was the last one. Actually, sorry, three times sent off and done that. Ah, second last game. Sorry, 50 three. extra. 50. Three, yeah. Yeah, three. Sent off second last game. Five more minutes, we'll be at four. No, no, five. definitely only three. <laughs> give me something here. Can Derry win the league? Yeah, I definitely think so. Woo! <laughs> Happy days. We've got, we're only in week two and somebody corroborates yeah. my suspicion. I'm not worried yet. I'm not worried. The, the context here is that Johnny has had a bet with me. At he wouldn't know this because this was this later the, on in week This is the one. bit that you turned off last week. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Johnny is a 50 euro bet with you. He's allowed betting games and all, yeah. Yeah, 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 it, it, it is allowed, apparently. Yeah, for now, anyway. Maybe uh, not after this. 
if I were betting on Cork v Galway, um, I'd be very optimistic to be back in an away win looking at last week. Uh, very optimistic. I'd be very optimistic if I think Galway United can win this game. Oh, sorry, um, yeah. Basically, it's what I'm trying to say. The title contenders against a team who are likely now going to have... Tony, week one has killed your spirit. Like last week... The problem is, Dan, we, we've lost at home to Drogheda. How many games are we realistically going to win this season? I think we're actually quite a good side. But are we, I, And I, I actually feel we're going to give Cork a very good game. You here. actually embody like the, the fan who just... Because before last week, his whole thing was, I think Galway United are going to surprise a lot of people this <laughs> season. One defeat, he's like, Galway, oh, we're in big trouble. We're going to go down. Dan, we ran out of Galway hooker at half time. My spirits <laughs> were gone. You know, uh, it was just we haven't prepared properly. So home win in Cork, that's what we're saying. Oh, and I think Cork, Cork home win. Yeah. yeah. Can you offer anything more than that? No, Galway should have won last week with all the chances they have. But other than that, I don't think they'll get as many against Cork. I think Cork will dominate the game. What age are you? Forty. Did you play often against Caulfield? Yeah, yeah, I did. That, yeah. I'd say there were a few battles. Yeah, yeah. Johnny, used to, he was a good lad. Good centre forward. Typical elbows. Yeah, knees, everything, he threw he everything at you. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly how I remember watching. He still does it on the sideline. I think there was a few Cork players like that in that in that team. How, Patsy Frayn. He was a lovely footballer. Yeah, he was, he was yeah. good footballer, but he was a nasty piece of work. Like, like the smokes. I don't know. Yeah, he oh, you'd like see him at the end of the game. Yeah. He'd got taken off for fifteen minutes to go and just sort of <laughs> light up. Great, uh, they were great days. Um, how good is Sean McGuire? Yeah, he's the real deal. I think the yeah, real deal in terms of in it terms of he could finish top goal scorer and be good enough to go away. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely a good player. Bray versus Harps is one of these, you know, Ollie will be very despondent, more so if uh, they go down in the Carlisle grounds. Brian Kerr and Soccer Republic imploring Bray people to support their team. Yeah, well, that's that's a complicated issue because Bray, they've obviously invested heavily in the club, but... The biggest uh, crowd they've had in that ground was for Michael Collins when he was shot there. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah I mean, it is, it is true that they wanted to recreate 1922, once they went to a League of Ireland ground, you know, it's not really... Not really a good selling point for the Carlisle Grounds. I'm just getting told here on the thing we're supposed to be positive, Dan. Positive, oh, okay, yeah. okay, yeah. It's it, they just went there because the the views are spectacular. But the there seems to be a lot of disharmony at Bray. We've probably go into it in more detail at a later date. But a lot of fans there are still not entirely chuffed with the direction the club could be taken. Is the club going to be taken out of Bray? And we'll see. It's a lovely it. old ground as well, isn't well, it? Well, we'll see. Yeah, I think yeah, the, you know the, it's valuable land as well. So we'll we'll see what what might happen there on the pitch. It's valuable land as well. Is that is that the way you? Is that what you become? <laughs> it's valuable I, land. That's as not well. the way I've become, but I think that would be the impression that uh, the impression say. that some Bray fans would have about the attitude of uh, the people at the club. At this ah, point. Yeah. what did you like the, the Carlisle ground zone? Lovely playing yeah. surface. Yeah. Well, no, no, we did again. Crowded on top. Well. If there's so a crowd there, yeah, it's on Sunday there wasn't much of a crowd when we played there, but no, I, I do like the Carlisle grounds, and I think they've invested well in their team this year. You know, uh, Kenny's done a, a great job; he's bringing in some quality players. Again, if we were sitting here other years, we'd be saying Braby in a relegation battle. But looking at the players they've added in the squad, they have definitely won't be down down near the bottom. I don't think. If you could have three players in your squad from the Premier Division, would Dylan Connolly be one of them? Yeah, I had Dylan actually with, when I was uh, managing Bowles on the nineteens. I had him. And he, wow, he was he was a good player. He, Bit of a, a temperament problem at the time, you know, but he got there over his game. And he's what was his issue in that regard? No, just, you know, young fellas at that age think they're, they're all better than what they are and they want to be somewhere higher before they can get there. You know, they need to be willing to work at under 19 level. And in fairness, when we went to Shells and went to Ipswich and he's learned a lot over the over the last couple of years and um, speaking of them down at the PFEO Awards and, you know, he's, he's sort of adapted to it. And now he's, he's become matured, is he? Yeah, he's, he's, he's matured, exactly. And he, he's become a good player now. He's a, he's a real threat for Bray, you know, week in, week out. And watching the highlights the other day, he took a fair kick near the end of the Is he as quick a player as you've seen in the league in terms of just raw pace? I think, yeah, I think he's he's quick. There's two or three I'll put up there with him, you know. And, and I'm surprised at a few defenders how they defend against him. You know, they leave a lot of space in behind for him to run in. And he's, as you say, he's quick. You know, you need to... You need to Sort of minimise the space if you can't match the space. I met uh, David Crawley actually at the um, Legia Dundalk game last year. We became mates over having texted him a few horses here and there, and he was talking about playing with you and Wes, and uh, you know you and taking turns to hack Wes out of it in training because you couldn't really do anything. <laughs> you couldn't do anything, anything better. Do you prefer to mark Wes Hoolan? He's not especially quick. He's amazingly tricky. Or Connolly, who is just so ridiculously fast that you can't give him a yard. Well, it's, I had not, not right now. Cause no, I, you know, I had, I had pace, so I didn't, mind, I didn't mind pace-wise. Like, you know, I had pace, I think, to match, to match anyone in the league at that time. But you're looking at Wezzo. Wezzo was just a different kettle of fish. You know, it was trickery. And believe it or not, Wezzo, he was blind as a bat. He, uh, he needed contact lenses. And it's true a story. Myself, Richie Baker was driving. We were going down through Cabra. 
And he asked to stop in for contacts, and he went into the butchers, and the butcher fella had to tell him it was next door. And I'm not joking with you. Did he get that's, a bag of mutton? That's what he was like. <laughs> he just couldn't see, you know. And uh, now we look at it. He obviously got the eyes done, and look where he is now at the moment. So you had him who couldn't see. Uh, you had Alan Moore who was colour blind, and you had Pat Fenlon who couldn't see either. So <laughs> that's a good uh, setup. We have to get. We have to get. And Ali Byrne. And Ali. And Ali Byrne. Top Ali Byrne who yeah. couldn't see into next yeah. week. Uh, Drada v Pats. We will move on to Dan. Uh, you know, Pats were a joke really last week. And Drada, I was obviously in Thailand. I have to admire how well organised they were. They've lost Killian Brennan, but yeah, they're, they're the going to be okay. I think in terms of at least picking up points. Yeah, that's the thing. Just Killian been out for I think eight to ten weeks. That's the bit of a setback given. I think he's going to be a pretty important player for them. Um, yeah, it's it's so early in the season, but like this is a quite a. I think if you can get points on the board early, if you're a team like Drawda that's expected to be in a bit of trouble, if you just get that bit of momentum now, you just never know where it could take them. You know, sure. just to get them clear, it is this whole psychology of the three teams going down that there almost seems to be pressure at this really early stage for teams. But uh, yeah, I mean, you saw Drawda last week. I didn't. So I mean, I, I guess you would expect a team that Pete has to be. Solid and well organized, and again, I'm like on what I've been in opposition with that draw aside last year, and certainly from speaking to Pete the night they went up, there was almost a sense this was almost a small bit ahead of schedule. You know, they yeah, weren't necessarily in their plan. Yeah, yeah, for them, but I think home advantage for them is is massive this year. And you and you're saying like they could be down near the bottom, but getting the three points away was big. But the home form has to be good. You know, they can. I think they can because it's a small pitch. They can surprise a few teams there. Which they have done over the over the years, like you know, so it's important that they get the home home farm right. It's not the most pleasant ground to visit, is it? No, the it's, away it's dressing not. Rooms and it's the, the way dressing room was tiny and small and old school dressing rooms. Uh, the pitch is, is is compact, so there's not much room to take corners or throw ins and things like that. So, I think they can uh, get a couple of points there. But it's where did the goals come from? You know, I looked at them last week and I know McCaffrey scored, but. They don't seem to be getting many chances that, either. That will be an issue, I think, watching them. If you, if you get Pats in the cup, for argument's sake, do you say to your players, this this is a soft touch? We can we can ruffle a few feathers with this team. No, I, I don't think they're a soft touch. I just uh, with Pats, they'll always be Pats. They'll overplay at times. You know, they pass the ball very well, but a lot of the time they go sideways and backwards. And you know, if your team is organised against them, you have half a chance. Um, but with Christie up front again. He's a threat, you know, he's he's a good player. Even he Probably looked off colour last week. Yeah, look, first game, I wouldn't look too much into first games, you know. There's a lot of nerves going into it. Even though people are all excited and revved up for it, players get, you know, get nervous. They don't want to lose the first games, and that's how mistakes happen, because they're, they're afraid to, to go out and win it, and they end up losing the game. Sligo lost their first game in, in a manner that they won't like uh, to look back on, and they're at home to... Dundalk, yeah, so easy enough. Yeah, it's a little reunion for Dave Robertson and Stephen Kenny because I think uh, towards the end of last season we had a bit Dave, of banter, a bit of banter. Dave Robertson angrily tweeting during the first half of that St Pat's Dundalk game, where Dundalk had won the league two days before, having played I think ten times in like the previous thirty days, and Dave Robertson seemed to be the only person in the country who was surprised that Dundalk played a load of kids against Pat's. And were like a couple of goals down inside, what, 20 minutes. Started tweeting about there was no integrity. Uh, and it really didn't, I don't know, didn't go down particularly well. Because uh, a couple of people pointed out in response that uh, Sligo had taken a couple of heavy defeats last season. And indeed, last week. And they're under a bit of pressure going into this game again. Um, I, I'd fancy them dog to go there and win. But I was shocked, I have to say, by... To, to, you know, it's like it seemed that they turned the corner last season and they'd taken points off Cork, taken points off Dundalk. Just to hear that they lost five, conceded five last week. I don't know what you've, your view was on no, when you heard that I result. There's a second year syndrome as well. Like, you know, the, the players are here again and they're, they're at it. And I think the teams know what to expect off Sligo now as well. No, the players probably didn't know as much about them last year. But looking at the goals, they gave, they gave away some soft goals. You know, you'd expect them to be a lot higher. Come uh, come this week, but they're playing against a fancy Dundalk side. You know, as I said, you're always thinking how to stop Dundalk. Yeah. Do you yeah. harbour any resentment for how short you were given down there? No, not at all. No, that's football. You know, you l- I've learned a lot from it. You know, mm. and you move on. There's there's no point in dwelling on it. I still have friends up there, and I still talk to them the odd time. But uh, you, you hope that you do well. You, you know, you don't want to see teams that you've been with, whether no matter how long or short they are, doing poorly. But um, as I said, they need to tighten up at the back. This Dundalk side, is it better than that Shell side you played in? No. This? I haven't answered the question. I understand. It's not better than the Shell's the team I played in 2004. It's not. No. It's not. Is, yeah. o, is it the 04 team you would think the specifically? De- like that is yeah. The yeah. He got there team. before the, he put the buzzer I, I, before I, I, the end of the it, question. It's, look, we all have our opinions on it. Me, I look and say how many players of Dundalk would have got into that team. 
and that be my point of view. You're talking about midfield. They're in far better physical shape than you. Yeah, of course. Like you know, the football has moved on. The signs that they're coming into it, so probably that. But we had a way, a way of winning as well. And you you'd Wes Hulham. Well, you, you've Wes, you've Joseph and Doe, you've Alan Moore, you've Stewie Bourne. You know, you look at those four midfielders. Owen Harry. But look at the four midfielders. Who's going to get in ahead of them? Jason Bourne. Who's going to get in ahead of, of Jason Bourne? Dan. You know? yeah, it makes a good argument. No, it is. I think it, it's a great debate because I wonder. Is it like the strength of the individuals or the strength of the of the collective as well? Because that Dundalk team has seems that, and we've touched on it last week. From year to year, it's taken changes, and it still seems to be as effective as as a group. You know that Shells team was exceptionally good in two thousand and four. Then you know you had a few changes at the end of that season. Didn't retain your league. And then yeah, two thousand and three was when we brought in the player, and then oh, two thousand and four, two thousand and five, two thousand and six. But you even go to the two thousand and six team. You know we won the league without getting paid for eight weeks. You know, so many teams that are going to do that with players leave up and go. So mentality-wise, we had a, you know, we had that a was something that people didn't appreciate enough. Uh, how how you bonded together that time to deliver despite all the extenuating circumstances. Yeah, and uh, you know, we didn't even get our league medals on the last game of the season. We end, I end up having to drive over to Merion Square, pick them up in a box underneath a desk, and give them out in the halfway house. And yeah. you know, that says a lot about. Because I spoke to Sean Dillon a couple of weeks back. There's some seems to be anyone I speak to from that 2006 group. It does, it does seem you have this bond that has survived because of what you went yeah, through in that particular of what year. what happened, yeah. You know, and as I said, players could have gone up, walked off and said, look, I'm going for money somewhere else. But we all sat down as a group and said, look, why not win the league? And then whatever happens, happens. And That's I think that was the main it's, thing. It's, it's one of these broad debates. When, when you, I know we, we specifically asked you about Shells versus Dundalk, but when you look in the last 15 years, then are they the two outstanding teams? Because I know you were in a good bow side. It was a good Cork team around that yeah, time. Yeah, I think so. But, you, you know, like you look at Dundalk and... and say how good they are and then you look at Shells how good they are but how good was the league back then how good is the league now you know I think if you look at Bowles and Rovers and all the teams back then I think it's more a competitive league that yeah. you had more teams that could win it Dundalk this year to me there's only two teams that could possibly win it and that would be Cork or Dundalk um, not saying that's any less it's probably but I think it's the European angle with Dundalk that's given yeah, them that, exactly. that place well. in the pecking and, order and if you know? look at Dundalk last year how phenomenal they done in Europe when they got knocked out of the Champions League, they went into a group stage. When we got knocked out of the Champions League, we had to play a match before we get into the group stage. And I think that's all it was fine margins, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, I suppose if you, if you look at the first division, a lot of people seem to want to ignore it. Uh, what are your prospects for the, for the year ahead? Well, for us, like any first division club, you know, there's only one aim and that has to be winning because there's only one team that's going to go up. Uh, we know it'll be difficult because of the money that War of a put in, the money that Longford have put in, um, so for us, it's trying to maintain a challenge up until you know. Hopefully, we're in the run and come the last five, six games of the season. We touched on the debate there as to which is uh, the, the greatest League of Ireland team in, in I suppose recent years. We'd love to have your interaction. Uh, we are at LOI Weekly on Twitter, and I just find it a compelling uh, debate. Really, we had some tweet interaction. Own doesn't tweet. I don't think. No. Own, no. Uh, I think they're. Are well, you anti-social media? You're, you're old school. Yeah, I just don't bother with it, you know. Yeah, I don't I have the time for it. I to think be you're right. Yeah, well, we but did anyway, let's hear some tweets. Well, from we did throw up. We did. We did. You know, invite tweets from last week. We were so desperate. We were desperate. desperate. We, just we didn't just know how it would go. Wanted did it go better than you thought? Yeah, I think it went okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's quite a lot of tweets to get through. We will not get through them all. Um, why does Johnny hate Pats? That's from not Kieran true. Is the first one. Keep going. Um, well, I, that is quite, you know, a significant I don't hate question. Pats. Or my local club in Dublin, I'm often, it's one of my favourite clubs in Dublin, actually. Well, um, this is, yeah, don't okay. hate them at all, I just think they're a small club. Aidan McNeil, this is a valid point for bringing on in this. The prize money for 2017 hasn't changed and is still heavily weighted towards clubs who get the European money. Would you uh, agree? It's been announced that the, the prize money has remained the same for the year ahead. Uh, I think it's pretty small figures down in the first division in particular yeah. um, do you well, see that gap between the clubs at the top who are in, who are in Europe now just course, streaking it clear yeah it's especially if the prize money in the, in the Premier is a lot higher you know and if Dundalk constantly winning they're getting the top prize which you know you, you, you don't cram with it but Cork and the other teams aren't getting near that and then the prize money just keeps drifting down and as you get to the fourth division like you say about Trotter they get promoted and yet they don't have big money for winning the league and now they're trying to invest to try stay up in the league I, I love this one uh, by Michael Fay, and this again can bring Owen in. 15 bleeding euro into a first division game. <laughs> You're laughing. <laughs> I 
I think you might actually be a Shells fan as well, so that could be an, that that could be a particularly unfortunate one to raise. I think most of that is set by the, the FEI. It's not set by the clubs. Ooh, don't know about that. I don't know. I, I think the ticket no, prices is passing the book there. The ticket prices, though, but I think ticket prices is a dilemma for clubs as well because you're caught between the regulars who will always go and attracting new people, and I guess you submit a budget based on particular projections, and if you you know, if you slash your ticket prices but your crowds remain the same, then you might but have a gap. The other side of that is if, if you support a club, you know, and you want to put money into them to go and see, but then the money's going back into the club, hoping oh yeah, to develop yeah. it. So, I mean, 15 euro is not a lot. If you compare it to, to clubs over in, in England or somewhere else, they're paying a lot more to go in to, to watch a game. Like If you listen back to this show, and I'm not sure you will, uh, you'll hear about us talking about the new bar in Terryland Park. What was your favourite bar in the League of Ireland? I was never in the bar. Ah, I saw you in Tolka. <laughs> I used to live beside Tolka. <laughs> you were definitely in Tolka. Um, you know, I was on only going into Ali and Tolka to see if had any money. See if there was a brown envelope. See if had any money to give to the players. That's all it was. Dan, favourite bar in the league? Um, Daily Mount? I like Daily Mount because I think if you're going to a game in Dublin, it's nice to be able sometimes to go down and have a drink after Fairness, the game. Dan, you've been in a lot of bars in, in yeah, the clubs, so you probably know what the best point is as well uh, at no, this stage. I think Johnny will know in more, in more detail than I would at this stage. But it's actually not that many, really. You know, you think there aren't. It, like there's Bowes and there's Dundalk, there's this new one in Galway. Uh, you know, there's, I mean, it's actually a problem with the league. You can talk about it, the lack of other stuff on the match day bringing income into the club. You know, Shells have it there as well. And it's actually, a, it's an asset for a club. I mean, Rovers have actually developed their sort of match day hospitality this year, which is, they seem to be doing it properly. And it's something that's a bit overdue, actually, because you can't just be relying on crowds to be your sort of primary source of income. Speaking of hospitality, come to Eamon DC Park for a hooker. That's our new slogan in Galway. <laughs> I'm telling you. And hopefully the hooker sort of does not this one here, yeah. run out at half time. That was good fun. Uh, Owen, you've been way above my es- es- estimations, especially <laughs> if you forgot about me. Your mother probably remembers me. I actually spoke to her for a good half an hour that night as well. Lovely, yeah, lovely I'll tell, tell you what I asked for. Yeah. Well, say, there's, there's always a donkey to tell you how to run the race and you've done that well tonight. <laughs> It's like Damien Lynch. Uh, yeah. Dan. And Johnny's backed a few donkeys in his time as well. So yeah, yeah we've owned a few together. Yeah, we actually have, which is another story. Good yeah. fun. You will find us on iTunes and SoundCloud at LOI Weekly on Twitter. Thanks for listening.